Hi, and welcome to Real Good Stuff. I'm Scott Clapson. Today, walking down Santa Monica Boulevard near Vermont at Los Angeles City College, I was heading back to the motel room. I was crying. I was sad. My anxiety's been off the charts the last few weeks. There's a lot going on in the world around us. And someone stopped me. I was feeling really alone. I was feeling like nobody was seeing me. Even when people were reaching out, I was feeling like they weren't seeing me. This person saw me and I saw him and I recognized him from 10, 12 years ago at LA City College. Shout out, go Cubs. We knew each other from the campus and he recognized me and I recognized him and I was just so stunned and he immediately embraced me, fully embraced me in a way that even outside of the pandemic, I don't always have heterosexual men embrace me so fully that I don't know very well. We were just campus acquaintances. We weren't really friends but he was so genuinely happy to see me and he kept repeating how much he loves me. I asked him how he was doing and he looked at me and he smiled and he said, I'm homeless. And I looked at him and I said, you know what? Me too. I have been for three years. And he looked at me with this look like, Hey, buddy, it's going to be okay. He hugged me again with this, this hug that I have. It felt like my dad was hugging me. And I hadn't been hugged like that in so long. And I hadn't seen him in so long. And all he had with him was the bags that he was carrying. And they were ratty. And he smelled like alcohol. And other things. And my heart was heavy. My heart still is heavy. He's not white. So we need to correct those narratives right away. You know, if you don't have the lived experience of homelessness. You don't struggle with mental health or addictions or, I don't know. Maybe sometimes it's better to listen, you know? Especially when we're talking about it. But my heart really went out to him today because I was feeling so alone. And apparently he was too, because when he first saw me, he looked really downtrodden. And when he recognized me, he looked so happy. The joy that came to his face when he recognized me and he saw me and he kept hugging me. And I knew that just for that moment, (sighs) because right now he's out there alone. I can't bring him inside. I'm barely inside. 
And it just made me think about my anxiety and it made me think about, you know, being outside and feeling alone and feeling isolated and what that looks like to be left to be left to die in the middle of a pandemic out on our streets. <coughs> Excuse me. Three people a day before the pandemic were dying on the streets of Los Angeles. Three human beings. These are people that I know. I've lost friends since this started. And not to COVID. This world is really cruel to people. And if you're white and cisgender and heterosexual or a man, you know, because I know I'm certainly guilty of these things myself. I feel bad that I'm not in a better position, right? I felt guilty today that that I don't have a spot that like people that I know like that because I know this man. And I wish that I would have been able to say, hey, you want to come shower? Like, would you like to come use the bathroom? All of those things that I know that I wish that someone would have done for me. I wanted to do for him. Thankfully, I was able to give him a dollar. His face lit up super bright. He thought... <laughs> he looked like I was giving him something made of gold, just the way he responded and just how grateful he, he was. But he was even more happy to just see me, to see a familiar face. At the spot that we used to see each other all the time. You know, 10, 12 years ago, right there in East Hollywood, right in the middle of the gentrification. There's a lot happening. There was a lot happening before the pandemic. It got me thinking because I've been thinking about doing. a meditation podcast. And talking about mental health and talking about homelessness and talking about food insecurities and talking about, you know, white supremacy and anti-racism and ableism and mental health shaming and all of this. It's been a lot for me to process these last few weeks. I haven't had a therapist. It's really hard to find a therapist. I've noticed since I've been homeless. I get given a lot of people that don't seem to know what they're doing or are really more focused on their life as a provider. And 
after three months of the last one kind of more being focused on her life as the provider rather than me as the client, I got frustrated and realized it was time for us to not work together anymore. And I realized that meditation and just calming myself, like the way that I meditate is so simple. And I bring this up because a little bit before I went to LA City College, so I went back to LA City College in about 2008 is when this man and I met. Before that, I started going to group meditations. Shout out to A Conscious Mind and Isaiah McGee, if you're still around. Uh, he went to Agape. If you know Agape and Michael Beckwith, Dr. Michael Beckwith on the West Side, that is not necessarily where I met him from. It might have been through an email with them. I can't really remember exactly how it happened. But he used to have Monday night group meditations. And I would go and I would sit in there and I would meditate with this group. I was about 28 and I'm 46. So do the math. I'm not very good at math. It was hard for me to sit still. It's still hard for me to sit still right now. So if you're listening and you'd like to learn to meditate with me, don't worry. If you're fidgety, if your laptop's on my laptop, full disclosure, the TV is off here in the room, but the laptop is on with waves in front of me because my mentor, Joel, asked me today if I like going to the beach and I love the beach. I grew up at the beach. Thank you, Joel, for using that tool today to kind of pull me back to, you know, things that I love. And he clearly has paid attention to me as a friend and a mentor. And so I thought it'd be appropriate tonight as I record this first meditation podcast to have the waves. I don't know what beach it is. Uh, it's dark. I don't know what beach it is. But the moonlight is shining on the waves. And they're rolling up on the beach. It's very peaceful and calming. And I thought that this would be a very good experience for me to, if you've meditated for a long time, or you're just learning to meditate for the first time, or you don't even know what meditation is, and maybe you're just a little bit skeptical, that's okay too. Welcome to Real Good Stuff. I'm Scott Clapson. So I'll invite you now, if you'd like to go get a drink of water or a Red Bull or any kind of, you know, whatever you need, grab yourself, you know, that, put it on pause or continue to listen. I'll give you a couple moments to get yourself ready, grab yourself a notebook and a pen or a pencil. Sometimes I do that. If I'm meditating, it's good to have that with me because I don't always believe that meditation should be completely silent. Although that, that is how I learned to meditate. I realize that you are in your own space and you can listen to this in the way that you would like. I also just shut off the lights in the room as well because full disclosure, I'm also a little bit scared of the dark and always have been. And so for me, the nighttime and having the lights and the moonlight shining in and then it 
kind of shining on the laptop, even though it's not, you know, but the, like I said, the, the laptop is here in front of me with the waves and the moonlight on the laptop and the moonlight is shining in through the windows here of the room. So I'd invite you to get comfortable, whatever that means for you. If that means lying down, even you're welcome to lie down. You know, if you, if you need to, you know, even turn down the volume, turn down the volume, whatever makes you comfortable, whatever you need to breathe, to settle into the space, to settle into your body. For years, I wasn't allowed access to my body. The church that I grew up in, the environment that I grew up in, not only did the existence of my physical attraction not exist, my queerness not exist, dancing wasn't allowed. There were many things that weren't allowed in the church and the environment that I grew up in. Being LGBTQ definitely was not, and probably still isn't in the Nazarene church. Not okay. So access to my body was not really, it was very cerebral. Life was lived in the Bible. Life wasn't, you know, I didn't really, I didn't have you know, a sexual experience. I didn't have a physical experience. I wasn't in touch with my body. I loved to dance. I would shut the door and I would dance, but I was very not comfortable just being in my body, just being there and just being aware and, and not numbing and not having the TV on and not having something going and not having the earbuds in with something playing <laughs> as you're listening to a meditation podcast. I find that, I find that kind of, I don't know if that's the appropriate use of irony or what, but I definitely catch that as well. But just settling in, being comfortable with what is. As I'm watching these waves, the thing that the ocean reminds me of, I'm not alone. I'm not alone. You know how I know I'm not alone? There's a couple of reasons. The first being, there's something on the other side of that ocean. There's something on the other side of that ocean. When I was a kid, there were moments when I would walk on the beach and I knew that there were friends that were on the other side of that ocean. I find it funny that today, one of the people that reached out to me that actually broke through uh, my mental health struggles and figured out one of my beloved nicknames, Scotty Biscotti, Joel grew up the first six years of his life in the Philippines 
And here I was across the Pacific, also like on the beach going, oh my gosh, like, I know I'm not the only one. I know I'm not the only one that sees the world like this and feels like this and is an empath like this and, you know, is going to change the world like this as a peer advocate and all of this stuff. And I'm just sitting here like in front of the ocean. Thank you so much to Joel for the idea. This is beautiful. And I'm watching these waves and I'm thinking about that, that person, right? That's on the other side of the ocean. So I know that I'm not alone so I can settle into my body. And then I see the waves and they keep going. They keep coming. And gently just coming. And gently just flowing over each other and filling the space, much like the breath. And there's this connection between the ocean and the sand that I've always loved, where these two elements, because I'm, I'm also a nerd, I'm a geek, and I love to learn about things, and I love the water and the, and the earth and all of these living things that are in both of them because they're both alive with life and they're coming together in this space that's so geographic. When I was in LA City College as well, ironically, I took geology and oceanography at the same time. I'm obsessed with the ocean and I'm obsessed with how the coastline is formed. See, the coast isn't still either, right? This beach isn't still either. It changes. It's mutable. It's not the way it looks right now is not the way it's going to look tomorrow. It's not the way it's going to look a year from now. It's not the way it's going to look however long from now. And it doesn't have to be that long. If you've ever lived by the ocean, you know, it doesn't have to be that long before the beach that you were on doesn't look quite the same. The coastline changes, the ocean changes, but it keeps going. And it just is. And recently I've been thinking about that, about this concept and whether you think about your higher power or you're an atheist and you really love science and you're just fascinated with you know, the human body's ability to breathe and oxygen and the beauty of all of that. Whatever it is that fascinates you about breathing, because for me, I'm fascinated. I'm fascinated by breath. I always have been. I will try to sync up my breath if I'm hanging out with a friend and a friend is breathing. I will try to sync up my breath. So think about that right now. Think about the rhythm. I tend to breathe really like fast and shallow because I have anxiety. I'm also a singer, so sometimes I take really deep breaths, but I find it really hard to take deep breaths even when I'm singing because I'm always like, I'm always on the go. So let yourself learn that. Let yourself invite yourself, invite your body to learn that. 
how to be on the go and still in one place. How to be it all. Just settle in. Just let the wave come in. Just let the breath come in. Whether you think about yourself sitting in your car or your truck or on the sand or on your surfboard or on your yacht or in your rowboat or in your catamaran or from your lighthouse where you're shining for all the world to see how they too can just breathe in and out. Because you know, the other beautiful thing, storms come. Storms come and they fuck that shit up. If you've never lived at the beach before, storms come. And if you live at the beach, you may think you may never survive that ever again. <laughs> I hate to laugh because there's been some horrible storms in my hometown of Brookings, Oregon. I remember one in particular when I was there when I was 19. I'd come back to visit my parents for a little bit right before I moved to Coos Bay. I was on my way back up from San Diego from living with my aunt for a while. I was really young and I remember living in their living room. Ironically, for anybody that knows me that's listening, if you remember my apartment that I just had when I lived in Brookings from 2013 to 2017, the little garden alley, the secret little alley right there behind the, the Manly Art Center and the beautiful little garden balcony right there. My parents lived in the other apartment upstairs where my neighbor lived. So when I lived there, I lived next door to where my parents had lived right before they got a divorce. And I stayed with them for a couple of months. I think it was about um, end of 94, beginning of 95. I left about, I think I started spring quarter, maybe at Southwestern Oregon Community College, maybe even in, I'm pretty sure I was there in February in Brookings. But there was a huge storm. And I can still remember the windows shaking. I can still remember my parents in bed asleep and me sitting out there in the living room of their apartment that I didn't know. And the winds were like a hundred and something miles an hour. And I was terrified. I didn't know. I didn't know. I had never lived on that street before. I didn't know the apartment. We were up on the second floor. I'd never, you know, lived really anywhere except for in a dorm that had more than one floor. So I was a little bit overwhelmed. Um, you know, just being in a little, you know, two or three unit little apartment with a garage underneath of us. Like, how did I know that this was going to survive this storm? Like, what if the deck blew off? Like, I, so we couldn't get downstairs. I was just terrified. And I remember that being that one of those defining moments in my life. 
that I just had to breathe through. Those moments where everything slows down. My storytelling coach, Beowulf, my dear turtle. (laughs) Oh, Beowulf, Beowulf, Beowulf Jones, you're so amazing. I miss you. I miss turtle. I hope to see you again soon. I hope to have laughs with you soon. He talks about that in storytelling, taking these moments and sort of thinking about those moments in life and like spreading them out and like seeing the, like the, the things that happen in the moment. And, and when you're in a big storm like that, you know, at the beach or at the ocean, you're in a big storm like that. Those moments are really terrifying because these storms are really volatile Right, So this peaceful ocean that I'm looking at right now on the screen is not always so peaceful, right? Life isn't always so peaceful. My body isn't always so peaceful. But I still breathe. And I don't have to think about it. I don't have to think about it. I don't have to think about it. I invite you to find your spot at the beach, to find your spot at the ocean or in a park or on a distant planet or in your dad's lap if you didn't get love when you were a kid or in a home if you're listening to this and you don't have one I hope that you get a home soon wherever you can find that moment to just be and let all of the beauty just come together. I know sometimes it's hard. I know sometimes it's hard to let people love us. I know sometimes it's hard to coexist. I know that I'm going to say hurtful things. I know that other people are going to say things to me. And I'm going to be hurt. But when those storms come... The ocean doesn't go, oh, hey, that was really fucked up. Like, this is awful. The The beach doesn't sit there. Have you, ever, have you ever been to the beach after a storm? It's the most, there's treasures everywhere. There's treasures everywhere. People love to go beach coming 
right after the storm because there's so many beautiful things that wash up. After the storm. So remember that the next time you're here. Remember that the next time you come here. Whether it's the beach or the park or outer space. Or your loved one's arms. Remember all of the beautiful things that wash up on the beach after a horrible storm. And remember all of the people that come. Hold on for all of the people that come. To see all of the beautiful things that came out of that horrible storm onto that beautiful beach. People travel from all over to see these beaches after these storms and during these storms. They'll sit there in the middle of the storm to watch the beauty of the storm. Understand that while you're at your beach and while it seems like it's never going to end, just let yourself breathe in between the tears, in between the pain, in between the people that you know that are dying or that are suffering, or if you're suffering, or if you're cold, or you're too hot, or if you're hungry. I was just talking with a friend yesterday. It just breaks my heart when I know that my friends are hungry and I don't have anything at that moment either where they're not in the same place as me and I can't feed them. People are really struggling. And there were a lot of us who were struggling before this happened, before COVID-19 happened, before the pandemic. I didn't expect to cry this much. But that's part of it too, right? That's the that's the waves, right? That's the waves. It's it's important. It's important if you have the gift to be able to cry, to be able to feel emotions, do it. Do it. My father always told me do it, express it, because when you express it, you help people who don't know how to be able to express it, to be able to put words to what they're feeling so they can cry out, so they can ask for help, so they can come out of their darkness, out of their storm, out of what they're going through. Just breathe. Just let yourself breathe. Just let the waves come in and out. The waves of emotion. The waves of grief. I'm recording this today.
in honor of Eric and Reagan and Ben. Eric was one of my ex-boyfriends who chose to take his own life when I was about 30 years old. It was really sad. And it was really gradual. And it involved a lot of stuff and homelessness. And crystal meth. It was really hard to watch. I still think about him every day and not in a, you know, I wish he was here and still my boyfriend kind of way, but in a, just a, I wish he was here because he was a beautiful friend. That's how we, that's how we connected was sitting in front of the TV, watching Oprah in the middle of the night. If you've ever, you remember when Oprah used to come on here in LA in the middle of the night, the reruns and we would watch it. I didn't have cable, I had this little TV and we'd watch it and <laughs> we just had such a good time. It's National Grief Awareness Day. Maybe it's Worldwide Grief Awareness Day for suicide. We're entering into a bunch of suicide awareness stuff happening for September. That's why I thought this was important to to start this meditation podcast journey because there's going to be a lot of talk about that. And then I'm going to skip to the last one because I didn't really know the last one. Ben as well. We weren't really boyfriends. We just dated a little bit. I liked him a lot more than he liked me. I didn't know that he was struggling. Unlike the situation with my boyfriend at the time, Eric, before that. I didn't know that Ben was struggling. Now, this was much later. This was in Portland. And many, many years later, apparently it was over a a guy that had rejected him. I don't know if that was the full story or not. I don't think about him as much, but I do think about him. The hardest one to take and... the one that I really felt like I could have saved was Reagan. It was approaching the holidays 2012 in Portland. I had just moved to Portland the year before to attend Portland State and reconnect with my mom. Was needed to transfer from LA City College, right? This is how this is all connected. Believe me, just like the ocean and the beach and the waves, it's all connect. It's all connected. Reagan and I met. We met at the Eagle in Portland. Um, I was a bad boy. I used to sit out on the on the patio and <laughs> never had sex on the patio, but did other things on that patio in Portland um, that now people get in trouble for now that cannabis is legal i can't believe that but we'll just leave it at that i'm not going to tell you (laughs) i'm not going to tell you how many blunts i smoked on that that um patio at the eagle in 
Portland, full disclosure. I think I'm the one who made it popular to do that. Um, that's where Reagan and I met. And I remember when I met him, I thought he was so cute. He totally was... You know, that thing where people go, oh, I'm not really into this type of guy unless I he looks like this. Well, I don't really like white guys <laughs> unless they're like bald with like hair on the sides, like but like bald on top and like glasses and like kind of nerdy looking. But like, you know, still like, you know, I don't know. I don't know if that makes sense or not, but like kind of like nerdy, like dark hair and, you know, um, that's my that's my type for like white guys, right? If you have a if I have a type. And I saw Reagan and he was so cute and he was in this like white t shirt and you know I don't know, he was just he was cute to me and I really liked him and he was flirting with a friend of mine and so I, I kind of stayed away. I lived right down the street, so I think it was like the following night or the night after I was down there again, you know, doing my thing and just hanging out. Cause I was, didn't want to be at home with my housemates and was sitting out on the back patio and he shows up again, but this time without this other guy that we knew. And I was like, Oh, okay. He's alone. And I was like, all right, what happened with, you know, you and so-and-so. And he was like, Oh, you know, nothing really. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. And we started to really connect, like really connect, I thought, to the point where like he moved me out of my toxic living situation into where he lived. I mean, this all happened like so quickly and he was from Texas and we were going to go to Texas for the holidays and I definitely was not breathing in the middle of all of this, right? Like I get very caught up in like the the enthusiasm of the moment and I, I run with it and I ran with it with this guy and he was a community college student there in Portland and I was teaching him where the best food banks were and where the, you know, reused craft store was. Just you know, all of these wonderful things. And I thought we were having a great time. And we were looking at apartments together in Vancouver, right over the river. And we were going to go to his parents' house for Christmas. On December 15th, he told me to get out. It was snowing outside. It's Portland. I was terrified. Now, mind you, for multiple reasons, that was my only option at that moment in Portland. I was freaking out. My dad immediately said, come back to Brookings. I said, no. What was I going to do in Brookings? Like, that didn't make any sense. But fast forward, I went to Brookings I put Reagan out of my head. My father passed away that summer. It was the hardest summer of my life. And I remember as six months had passed, 
My dad died on July 17th. And right after the first week of February, I get this Facebook message from this woman, and I recognized her name. This was the woman that I was supposed to go visit that Christmas before in Texas. Reagan's mom. Hello, Scott. I don't know if you remember me. But I'm Reagan Allen's mom. Even now I can't breathe thinking about it. Because, see, unlike Ben, who I didn't really know, and unlike Eric, who I was really super close to, but it was gradual, and so there was time for me to process it as I watched him slip away as he refused help. Reagan's came like a knife. I thought I was healing from my dad's death. I felt so powerless as my dad was dying of that brain tumor, like I couldn't do anything. Like these waves are just compelled to keep coming up onto the sand. I was compelled to grieve. After my father died, it was so difficult. And I remember the spot where I was, where I got the message on Facebook. St. Timothy's Episcopal Church, Brookings, Oregon, about fourth pew back on the right-hand side, right behind the piano player. Sitting purposefully next to the stained glass window with the sun shining down on me because I was having a really great day. Right? I was having a really beautiful day. I was at the beach and and it was beautiful and and I was healing and and I was getting what my dad said I would get, right? That respite that I would get even though, you know, at the time I was, you know, just barely getting back on my feet after my dad died after 6 months. And I get this message that Reagan was gone. I didn't know Reagan had a crystal meth addiction. I didn't know that Reagan had gone back to live with his parents in Texas. Apparently he'd gone back that Christmas and he never went back to Portland. Apparently he'd also tried to get into recovery multiple times, but things just weren't working out that week. He was having a really bad week. He was having a really bad week. And see, that's not the Reagan I knew. The Reagan I knew was this, like looking at the waves right now, like he had anxiety, but he seemed like to me, like he had everything under control. He seemed like everything was smooth. He wasn't like me. His mental health struggles were hidden. 
I'm a lot more open about mine. I was thinking a lot about Reagan today. We weren't together for that long, but but I spent so much time trying to teach this younger guy how to survive as a community college student in Portland and where the resources were. Because I was going through the same thing, right? I was going through the same thing as a student at Portland State in the same city, just at a different school. And we were studying some of the same things, some of the same subjects in sustainability. We were talking about racial justice, you know, and the, and the laws in Oregon with the black exclusion laws and things like that. He was very interested in what I was learning. And I just breathe. And I just keep breathing. And I invite you to breathe. If your anxiety is something that comes because of the way your brain is wired or the chemicals in your brain or whatever it is, just breathe. If it's trauma that caused it, if it's trauma that causes your storms to come, if it's those memories that crop up, if it's those things you can't just get out of your head when everyone just says, oh, it'll be better tomorrow, but it doesn't ever feel like it's going to be better tomorrow. Tomorrow just feels worse. When that storm comes, remember all the beauty. Remember all the beautiful things that wash up on that beach as those waves flow in and out. The storm's going to come. It's inevitable. If it comes because of abuse. If it comes because of abuse. And the world we live in feels like that, certainly right now. Absolutely, certainly. The storm is going to come. And I invite you to breathe. I invite you to keep reminding yourself that the beach is going to be filled with beautiful things and people are going to come from all over to see the beautiful things that have washed up from the storm on your beach. I invite you to breathe. If you're in the middle of the storm, I invite you to breathe. If you can't sit still while you're listening to this, if you're doing 10 things right now, 
I invite you to breathe. If you're doing something else entirely while you're listening to this, I invite you to breathe. Think about the beach or the cosmos or your own body and the way all of these elements, the way all of these living things, the way all of these phenomenon happen, right? Because the beach is, the beach is a phenomenon. How does the ocean stay like that? How does the cosmos stay like that? How do our bodies stay like this? Just breathe. Wherever you are, you are a miracle. All of this life working together. So you can breathe. I invite you to breathe. I invite you to remember that every beach has storms. Storms come on every beach. And sometimes they last for a little bit. And sometimes they last for a really long time. The beach didn't cause it. The ocean didn't cause it. The clouds didn't even really cause it. It all just is. I know we live in a culture that's quick to tell people that they're playing the victim or that they have to take personal responsibility for whatever. But we live in a world, honestly, where a lot of what happens to us, we don't have a lot of control over. So just understand that. I invite you to understand that, to comprehend that, to think about it the way I began to think about the way that the beach and the ocean, the land and the sea were intertwined in those two classes at LA City College over 10 years ago. How, how these things were all connected. It just is, and it's impermanent. I invite you to think about impermanence as you breathe. To think about your beach. To think about sitting there in your space. Whatever space it is created by you in your mind or in front of you or around you or online, whatever it is, wherever it is, 
I invite you to breathe and remember impermanence. Remember the waves come in and out. Some of them are big. Some of them are small. Some of them look enormous and some of them look really tiny. But you never really know what's going to happen with each wave. They're distinct. They're unique. But they all work together. I invite you to remember the impermanence. The impermanence of the breath. That no two breaths are even the same. Just like no two of us are the same. We are unique sparkles of light. Remember that when the storm comes. Don't judge yourself. I invite you not to judge yourself this time when the storm comes. I invite you not to question yourself when the storm comes. You didn't create the storm. You didn't create the waves. They just are. I invite you to remember that. You did not create the waves. They just are. Just let them come. Just let them roll up onto your beach and then let them roll back. All of the hurtful words, all of the names you were called, all of your anxiety, all of those days of fear, All of those days of feeling alone. Those times that you felt isolated. Those times maybe where you lost your temper and you said things that hurt someone else, whether they were true or not. I invite you to remember to breathe. You did not cause any of this to happen. Just like the waves did not cause the beach to change. It all works together. So I invite you to breathe. I invite you to be patient with yourself. Whether you've been meditating for a really, really long time. You've never meditated at all. I invite you to breathe. I invite you to remember the impermanence. I invite you to remember
that this just is. Even if choices that you made, yield things that you feel like you cannot bear. The storm only lasts for a time. The big waves don't last forever. The coastline's not going to look the same tomorrow. The coastline's not going to look the same next week or next month or next year. You're not either. Breathe. Embrace it. Embrace life. Embrace the way everything works together. We don't have to understand it. Honestly, the less I understand it, the less I feel like I can judge it. I invite you to breathe. Find some moments in each day where you can sit and practice being in the storm when the storm isn't here. How do you sit and enjoy the beach and the waves when there's not a storm? So when you're here, when there is a storm, you can breathe through it without judging yourself, without being hard on yourself, without telling yourself the list of things you think you need to be responsible for, what other people tell you that you need to be responsible for. Let go. It's the powerful lesson of the ocean. The wave retreats. Let the negative things that people say about you, I invite you to let yourself take the lesson of the waves of the ocean and let those things retreat. And breathe and let them retreat. That is not who you are. Let them retreat. That is not who you are. I invite you to breathe. I invite you to continue breathing. Continue practicing meditation. It can come through storytelling. It can come through walking. It can come through hiking. It can come through going to the beach. It can come through whatever way you need it to come. Find that. 
invite yourself to breathe just like we just did over this last hour through storytelling and throwing in some meditative moments, invite yourself to breathe in the middle of your story, in the middle of the storm, in the middle of what's happening, invite yourself to breathe. I know it's hard. And I certainly know that you might feel alone. And quite frankly, if you're like me, you quite possibly are. There's a lot of people around you and you still are alone. I'm alone too. But I can tell you this. I'm thinking about you right now. And I'm sending you love. And I'm inviting you to breathe. And I'm inviting you to look for the beautiful things that come after the storms in your life. And to pay attention to the people that come to your beach after your storm. And walk on your beach and look for the beautiful treasures that have washed up in the middle of your storm. In the middle of the things that you did not think you could survive. The people that come from all over to see the beauty that washes up within your life on your beach. I invite you to breathe. I'm Scott Clapson. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to create your own podcast, I would be happy to teach you about podcast production and anything else you'd like to know. I will completely volunteer my time. And if you'd like to compensate someone, maybe we could find a nonprofit that you could donate your money to. (laughs) I really appreciate you for listening. I appreciate you for breathing with me. I appreciate you for listening to my tears and to my story of all of the beautiful people that I've met. I am an anthropologist and a storyteller. If anything else, I invite you to find your beach. I invite you to breathe. I invite you to see if you can enjoy the next storm by breathing through it, breathe through it and see if it changes. I know it's not easy, but you are loved. You are cherished. And just like the ocean, you are beautiful and special. I'm Scott Clapson. Thank you so much for listening to Real Good Stuff and have a great day. Bye-bye.